Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. In our season four premiere, we're talking about all the parental back-to-school fears we didn't need to have. Can you relate to being worried that your child didn't get the best teacher, won't make any friends, isn't on enough basketball teams to make the NBA? Keep listening to let us reassure you. Hey, Lon. Hey, Lise. Welcome back. You too. And we are back better than ever with season four. Yep, yep. Yes, we are. (laughs) And we have some amazing guests and episodes lined up for the season. We can't wait to share them with you all. And we're just excited to be back talking with all of you because, you know, we missed you. (laughs) Heart eye emoji. (laughs) I can't believe it. Another summer has come and gone. I know. Right. And, you know, like us, like Lisa and me, many of you have been going through the annual back to school madness. So it occurred to us that having three of those seasons under my belt and nine under Lisa's, there are some things we really didn't need to worry about, but we still did. (laughs) And so we wanted to share them in case it helps make even one parent out there feel just a little better. It will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) It will be okay. Let's start with this first one. Not having friends in their class. So, you know, kids and parents can get worried that maybe the friends that they had in first grade aren't going to be in their class in second grade or whatever it might be. But you know what? It's a good experience for kids to learn how to make friends with new people. And sometimes not having their own friends in their class can make them exercise socialization muscles that they might never have otherwise. You know, this is advice that we gave to our daughter, um, who's down second grade. Um, But going from like one grade to another, you know, she this year doesn't have any friends in her class because it's a new school and she's normally very extroverted but needs some time to warm up. We've been trying to give her that same advice that, you know what, this helps you build those muscles of going up to new people and telling them your name and figuring out what you might have in common. Um, And those are important skills that we all use as adults, right, in our work lives, in our personal lives. So never too early to learn those skills. (laughs) Absolutely. And a good reminder for parents, right? Because we all hate to see our kids in that position. Mm -hmm. But it is a regular experience of human life, right? So exactly. (laughs) So, you know, we also worry about them not making friends and, you know, not just not having their own friends in in their class, but will they make friends at all? So when my oldest went to school for the first time, I was biting my nails about the whole making friends thing. You know, would other kids appreciate how special my angel was? Uh, How could they not? (laughs) (laughs) Also important. (laughs) Would my angel appreciate how special the other kids were? (laughs) (laughs) Equally important, different side of the same coin. (laughs) And you know what, Lon? This is why younger siblings always get the more laid back parents, right? Because like, I mean, even though my younger child is actually less extroverted than my older child, we've... We've been more peaceful, 
you know, with him because we know that in general it tends to work out okay. Yep, you know, right. you, you don't need your kid to be the most popular. You don't need them to have a hundred amazing friends. They really only need one. And young children, you know, while they do form friend groups, even at young ages, they tend to move more easily between those groups based on, you know, who wants to play tag that day or mm-hmm. who's in the purple music group that day. Pur- purple music? Does music have colors? <laughs> <laughs> These are modern concepts that we are too old to understand, Lonry. Okay, don't ask too many questions. Yeah, <laughs> new math and new colors right, exactly. <laughs> look if we keep talking about this we're both going to get sent to the boring music group okay so <laughs> yes <laughs> music has colors we're just going to accept it but you know while older kids do tend to have groups that you know are a little more solidified you know we you and i remember that they're still <laughs> discovering themselves so bouncing yeah. between groups it, it can be beneficial for them as well and you know the good thing for older kids is that they're also more mature with more developed social skills that can help ease some of those transitions. But the reality is, you know, they don't develop those skills. Just like we said, they don't develop them without being put in situations where they have to make friends in the mm-hmm. first place. Right. It's so hard for parents to stand back and watch. But man, we got to let it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, now, if a few weeks go by and your child is still really struggling with making any friends, then that's the time to bring in extra help. And their school guidance counselor can be a great place to start. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great advice. Um, The next worry that parents sometimes have is that their child just did not get the best teacher for that grade. (laughs) You know, and the thing is, best is such a subjective term, right? Right. Every parent's (laughs) definition of this is different. So the best teacher for one kid might not be a great fit for another. And You never know. Maybe Jane from the bus stop said Mrs. Smith wasn't a good teacher because Mrs. Smith disciplined Jane's kid. And maybe Jane's (laughs) kid needed it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the other kids were like secretly applauding. (laughs) Right, exactly. So so that's one possibility. You know, just not everyone is the right fit. and, And that's fine. You know, and also just the chemistry between a teacher and one class might be very different than the chemistry between that same teacher and another class. So your Very kid's true. experience could differ because of you know outside factors as well. Even if you feel a teacher is objectively not as good, it may still be a positive experience for your child to have him or her. You know, increasing that self-directed learning, learning how to get along with different types of people, learning mm-hmm. how to you know decode what a teacher or a boss in the future wants. These are all te- uh, these are all skills that can help in adulthood. Really important skills. So true, right? Like, we're not all going to have bosses that we love. We're not always always going to get the best bosses, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's, just learn it's, to navigate that and, you know, again, never too early to start that skill. Absolutely. So another worry that, that Lonre and I had that our, our sweet little children would get <laughs> lost. <laughs> you know, now this is especially true for little ones, you know, starting, say, pre-K. But it's also true for teens starting at a new high school. I mean, some of those places look like airports. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I would get lost. Yeah. So it's it was really intimidating for us both to leave our tiny children in these massive buildings that made them look even tinier. You know, but <laughs> teachers and staff, they're generally really good about keeping track of their flock. I mean, they've been doing this for years, right? Mm-hmm. They know, especially at the beginning of the school year, that kids don't know the routines. They don't know their way, way around. So even if your child does manage to get separated from the group, 
there are staff members around who can spot a solo duckling and show them where to go. <laughs> so true. So true. And I think, you know, teachers are pretty adept at not only helping kids stay together, but also gently encouraging parents to let go. <laughs> <laughs> also important. <laughs> yes, yes. Let it go. Let them go. You know, I mentioned we're in a new school this year. And they were pretty clear on the first day that parents should walk their kids to the playground fence. And then well, stay back behind the fence. <laughs> so their teacher can then take them to the rest of the class, you know, that gentle but necessary separation. Right. You know, it's, it's so important to allow kids to learn that they're safe and they're cared for even when their parents aren't right there next to them. It's, it's just as important for the parents to learn that. Yes, it is. <laughs> Speaking as someone who needed to learn that lesson. <laughs> And, you know, for older kids, learning to navigate using signs or by asking for help, these are also important life skills, and that will build their confidence and independence when they have to use those skills. Um, you know, school buses are are like a sub-worry of this worry. Mm-hmm. You know, what if my child gets on the wrong bus or gets off at the wrong stop? Well, most drivers for elementary age children are pretty cognizant of making sure that kids get on and off at the right place. But absolutely, practice with your kids ahead of time. Show them their bus stop, drive the bus route, rehearse the routine the week before school, you know, ask the school what their bus loading system is so you can set your mind at ease. If you're really worried, stick an air tag or a wireless tracker in your little one's backpack or shoe so you can track their location on your phone in an emergency. But just know that, honestly, by the second week of school, the routine will be old hat to your mm-hmm. kids and they'll be able to correct you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, kids are so adaptable. I think, you know, they figure these things out pretty quickly. A hundred percent. Another worry that um, parents often have and that we've had is, is your child getting enough extracurricular activities? Mm -hmm. So do you worry that your family won't have time to put every kid in soccer and marching band and drama club and Girl Scouts and extra math classes (laughs) while still having time for homework and sleep? You know, do you dread the start of the school year hamster wheel because the schedule is, you know, so crazy compared to your holidays? Do you feel like your child might be the only one not doing everything? I mean, we had those worries. It's so hard, mm-hmm. especially these days with like social media, you know, not to feel the pressure when it feels like everyone around you is jumping on the extracurricular activity bandwagon. So, you know, let us be the friends telling you it's okay to jump off that bandwagon. Yes. <laughs> you know, pick the activity, singular, or activities that mean the most to your family for whatever reason and let the rest go. You know, it's mm-hmm. best not to overschedule anyway. Kids need leisure time. They need meal times with family. They need adequate sleep. And the best homework learning takes place when it's you know not rushed or squeezed into the 10 minutes between chess club and soccer practice. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, give them the time to like digest what they're learning. And mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot more about this in our episode 12 on self-care, just around how to balance all the things that are coming at us and not feel like you have mm-hmm. to do everything because no one can do everything. You know, and rest assured, your kids are probably better off in the long run, not trying to do everything. So true, right? And so important to remember. Another worry that we had, that when our kids were away from home, they wouldn't eat lunch. Okay, so I have to say that my husband and I have a less than enthusiastic eater, (laughs) shall we say, at our house. Do you like that euphemism, Lon? Yes. (laughs) 
Well said. <laughs> so yes, the uh, the anonymous parent who had this worry was me. Okay, <laughs> and yes, this worry comes true on a regular basis because that little lunch bag comes home half full most days, no matter what we send. <laughs> but a feeding therapist once gave me a very wise piece of advice: give up the lunch battle. Unless your child has an actual medical condition, just release trying to control what they eat at lunch when they're away mm-hmm. from you. You know, there's there's no way to do it. So refuse to fight the battle. Send, you know, or order them lunch, whatever, whether your kids order hot lunch or bring it from home. Um, you know, go ahead and send or order that lunch and what they eat, they eat. And if you instead put your focus on providing healthy and well-balanced breakfast, snacks and dinners in your home, then it will not kill them if they eat like a bird for lunch. You know, <laughs> some kids are actually listening to their appetites and they genuinely aren't hungry at school lunchtime. And you know what? That's a good thing, right? Because we want them to honor their actual hunger cues if that's what's really happening. For other kids who aren't eating because they're just getting distracted by friends, well, eventually the gnawing hunger at 2 p.m. might help them change their patterns. You know, and remember also that kids change, bodies change, appetites change. So keep sending those healthy lunches. You never know when a sudden growth spurt will turn your picky eater into a human vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and you want there to be something, you know, reasonably edible around if that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. The food fights, like, it doesn't end in toddlerhood, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Sadly, no. <laughs> Sadly, no. Definitely can continue. But that that's great advice, right? And thinking about listening to your hunger cues, because that, again, it's a skill that we, you know, can all teach our kids when they're young so that as we become sure. adults, we have you know just better kind of eating habits and understanding how our bodies work. Um, all right. Another worry that you may have is that morning routine. I don't know about you, but if I'm poorly caffeinated in the morning, it's just, it does not <laughs> does not go well. Um, and even parents who work outside of the home might still find that school breaks are easier because you're not trying to get you know, one or more people out of the door um, and be be semi-presentable. Right. So we often feel a little dread at the end of the summer. You know, we have to relearn the whole morning routine. Mm -hmm. But here's our biggest piece of advice. Move any task you can to the night before, like making lunches, that really helps. And also learning to be responsible for making their beds and getting dressed while watching the clock is a valuable lesson for kids. And is absolutely necessary for adulthood. Right. And we don't have to be perfect, you know. If your kid is wearing the same jeans two days in a row or they overslept and there's only time for a granola bar at the bus stop, these things will not kill them. And, you know, (laughs) there might be great natural consequences that help them grow. If they realize that granola bar was not enough, maybe they'll be a little more motivated to get out of bed a little (laughs) bit earlier and actually have that sit down breakfast that you had ready for them. (laughs) So true. So true. And another worry that we often had, you know, if we don't make them keep up with every sport slash music lesson slash artistic endeavor, that they'll fall behind. So, you know, maybe you aren't trying to get your kids to do every extracurricular at the same time, but you want them to try everything at some point and keep up with the big ones. Well, you know, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. most parents hope that you know, if our kid's secretly a Serena Williams, that we won't miss the chance to help them build their talent. You know, I've, I worry I've about always that every worried, like, day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Here I am depriving the world of the next Serena. The next Serena. <laughs> like you're holding the record upside down. Maybe you're not Serena after all. <laughs> I'm sorry, planet. 
<laughs> but like honestly i've always worried like what if my kids are secretly world-class potters and we'll never know you know because we haven't yet signed them up for a pottery class you know what what if i've missed their, <laughs> their secret talent <laughs> but you know what like you can't do everything that's just the reality and kids might surprise you with the things that they express interest in. And maybe that's the sign to let them dip their toe in those, you know, particular mm-hmm. waters. <laughs> like my eight-year-old son has always been kind of randomly fascinated by golf, even though he hasn't really had that much exposure to it. And he's always begged to play. So maybe that's a sign that he has some kind of innate love for it. <laughs> and you know what? Like while American culture really prioritizes sports, remember that honestly, most people don't play any sport after high mm-hmm. school anyway, even for fun. And, you know, both of us are children of immigrants. We definitely did not grow up prioritizing sports. (laughs) Exactly. This is a very much a foreign (laughs) outlook to me. I just know that this is a very common worry for many people. You know, and honestly, we do understand many families do want to try to use sports as a way to pay for college. Completely understandable. But do remember that academic scholarships are often more accessible. So just don't put too much pressure on yourself or your kids in this area. And also remember that life is long and everything doesn't need to be tried or doesn't need to get done during Mm -hmm. childhood. When your kids are grown, they will still have chances to try adult lessons or adult classes and things that interest them. So don't beat yourself up if you weren't able to provide every last opportunity. That was never your job. Exactly. There's so much pressure on parents these days to do all of that. And it's just, it's not... Not even just not necessary, not necessary. It's not feasible. Right. right so, exactly. As Elsa says, let it go. <laughs> you don't want me to sing it. I'm pretty sure I'm tone <laughs> deaf. <laughs> just say it. Let it go. We'll do that for the outtakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the blooper reel. We'll both sing together in harmony. <laughs> oh, great. We will lose all of our listeners. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll spare you all's ears and just continue with the list, I guess. Um Uh, The next one, going to a new school. So this is a big one, right? Any of us who ever started a new school as a kid still remembers, you know, that was pretty scary. So if it's your kid that's had to move and is going to be the new kid this year, it can be super stressful for mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So do everything in your power to make it easier. You can try to tour the school ahead of time if that's allowed. Meet their teacher. Introduce them to other kids at the school if you're able No, but in the end, just remember that being a new kid is a very common human experience. Right. And kids are resilient. You know, it may Mm. actually even even develop empathy for other people who are new or on the outside. And that, again, is a feeling or an attribute that could last the rest of your child's life. Absolutely. And think about it. You know, in a month, the new school won't be new anymore. Mm -hmm. And your child may not be the only new student in their class. You know, our our second grader, she's been to three different schools um, since starting, you know, going from daycare to like a preschool to a different school for first grade and now a new school for second grade. Um, And she was definitely each time nervous the first few days. But I mean, now she's like she's a new best friend every day. Right. That's (laughs) how you know they've settled in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. And. And as we keep saying, the it takes a few weeks, but kids really do kind of fall into what becomes comfortable for them. And they're probably mm-hmm. not the only one. Um, talking to the teacher, if there's like a back to school night or something like that, a couple of weeks into school, you might get some intel on how things are going <laughs> from an outside perspective. Um, but, you know, something that we've learned to, to not really 
be nervous about because again, kids kind of figure it out along the way. So true. So true. And then another big one for parents is transition years, transitions Mm -hmm. between elementary and middle or middle and high school. Now, neither of us have done the high school transition yet. Well, not, not as not as parents. <laughs> we, we've been to high school ourselves. <laughs> we might even graduate soon. Lisa, how, how fingers crossed. You? <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> this medical license might be valid once yeah. we have that high school diploma. <laughs> yeah. Still working on it. <laughs> but between us, we've done enough school level transitions with our kids to know that it can be nerve wracking for the parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. It can be scary to think of your sweet little baby navigating the halls of a school where they're the youngest. You know, will those older brutes torture them? <laughs> will they get lost? Will they be able to handle the new responsibilities of a higher level of education? You know, for example, my kid's school starts giving letter grades in the third grade and my son has just started third grade. So it's a whole new experience trying to achieve a mathematical A rather than just like an Elmo sticker on your spelling. (laughs) (laughs) Or in middle school, when the responsibility for homework shifts more to the kids and parents are slowly eased out of the loop. And do not get me wrong, my husband and I do not miss fifth grade math homework. (laughs) But you do wonder whether your child can handle it without your oversight. But in most cases, kids rise to the occasion. The truth is that they can never prove they're capable of something unless they're expected to be. Mm -hmm. So remember, you know, schools are very used to familiarizing their newest students. There are usually plenty of orientation activities appropriate to the age for that youngest group that's just entering. And it's a cliche, but truly before you know it, your chubby cheeked baby will be the oldest at that school and the one organizing Mm -hmm. welcome activities for someone else's babies. (laughs) It's so true. So true. And, you know, we do have to say the one caveat to all of this is really just trust your gut. Absolutely. If you know that you're an over worrier and you have trouble, you know, gaining perspective when it comes to your kids, then maybe ask another close adult that you trust. Ask them what they Mm -hmm. think. You know, all of the worries that we just talked about end up working out fine most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but if your child is in a class where they're being bullied or... If a teacher or coach is truly mistreating your child, if your child seems to hate an extracurricular activity and it's affecting other parts of their life, you know, if they're if they're different and, you know, not feeling accepted, whatever it might be, if things don't feel right to you, then it's okay to intervene. We're not saying, you know, everything works out all the time. Right. Most (laughs) of the time, these things do turn out just fine. Absolutely. And now it's time for our physician mom hack of the week. Now, many parents are familiar with school supply lists, those lists provided by the school that tell you anything and everything you need to buy for your kid's classroom for the upcoming year. Those can get pricey really fast. (laughs) So here's a simple hack. At the end of the school year in May or June, take 10 minutes to go through your kid's backpacks and set aside any school supplies that look salvageable. Pencils that aren't broken, pens that still work, notebooks that still have blank paper in them. Put them all in a box and save it. When it comes time to buy school supplies for the new school year, go through that box first and see what you can check off your lists. This is especially helpful if you have more than one kid and your school requires something specific like a certain type of book cover or a certain brand of ruler that your older kid had but no longer needs. Shopping your own school supplies can mean a major savings in the amount of money that you eventually have to shell out. 
And of course, we can't forget that many under-resourced families and schools can't afford adequate school supplies at all. So we'll link in our show notes at HippocraticHost.com to a list of groups you can donate to to help make sure that all children start the school year with everything that they need to succeed. So to all of our parent listeners out there with school-aged children, we hope that at least one of the things we worried about means that you don't have to. (laughs) Exactly. And we're wishing all the kids out there a safe, happy, and successful new school year. It'll zoom by before we know it. Welcome to season four. So that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And while you're there, subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. You know, reviewing helps other people like you find the podcast. And we might even pick your review to share in a future episode. So for example, BusyMom2244 said, love this podcast. Easy for this mom to follow and listen while getting great advice. Love the feel-good energy. Thanks so much, Busy Mom. We really appreciate it. We're blushing, Busy Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone, and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.